Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. One of my favorite authors is Paul Tripp, and he wrote a book called Dangerous Calling. It's a good book. It's a book for pastors about the difficulties and challenges of ministry and how the pastor and the church must press on in the Lord. When the book came out in 2015, it had five endorsements on the back of it by popular pastors and well-known evangelicals in our country. That was 2015. If you go to buy the book today, on the back of it, you're going to find two endorsements. In five years, three endorsements have dropped off. Because three of the guys on there who endorsed a book about warning against pastors and personal sin and failure, three of the guys who wrote the endorsement have now lost their ministries because of personal sin and failure. It's very sobering. Very sobering. Because right now, today, we can be so on board with the gospel, on board with Jesus. And then we go off the rails. So we have to watch what's going on in our hearts and our minds. We wonder, well, how does that happen? Well, it can happen because you get distracted. You fall into temptation, into sin. Something bad happens, and you say, forget you, God. You turn your back on. There's a lot of things that can happen that can lead to personal sin and failure and running away from the Lord. That's why today we've got to have this heart check where I'm going to say to you over and over again this. Be strong and press on. Be strong and press on. Not a little slogan, not a little motto. This is your life right here in Christ, to be strong and press on. Well, we're back in 2 Timothy. Many of you have already turned there this morning. We're in 2 Timothy 2. We are currently alternating between two sermon series on Malachi and 2 Timothy. We're going back and forth, back and forth. And this morning we are in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, if you know much about this book, Paul wrote it to um, Timothy as a letter of exhortation and encouragement to his son in the faith. Paul is writing while he's in prison, facing likely execution. He's writing to Timothy, the one he loves in the faith, to encourage him as a pastor, as an apostolic representative, to be strong and to press on. But the book's not just for pastors. The book is also for you. For every single one of you here who claims to be a believer that we need to be strong and to press on. And you will wonder, well, how exactly do you do that? That's why we're going to study the passage this morning. And we're going to touch on a few things. I'll just let you know where we're going. We're going to talk about be strong in grace, endure together, don't get distracted, look to Jesus, and press on. It's very simple. That's where we're going. Let's jump in. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. Verse 1. 
Paul says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If you remember that Timothy was feeling timid and hesitant and weak, and that's not from the Lord because the Lord has given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind and self-discipline. And so Timothy was not to function in the flesh, but he was to, you see it there, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He and we are to pursue Christ. We are to abide in him. It's about his strength and not ours. It's about his power and not ours. It's about abiding in Christ and letting his power manifest through us. There was a preacher back in the day, uh, Charles Spurgeon, and he got a lot done. And people asked him, how is it that you get so much done? And he said this, you have forgotten there are two of us. We're not on our own. Like you may be here this morning right now and you feel weak, you feel worn out, and you feel beaten down. And if that is you, which is probably most of you, including myself, we are to look to Christ. And maybe you're not getting what I'm saying, so I'm going to give you an Old Testament way to say this. It comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. I love this statement. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12. Listen to this. For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That is my life right there. Lord, I do not know what to do. I've been saying that for years, but my eyes are on you. Anybody else? I don't know what's going on. I'm worn out. I'm tired. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. But we're not to do this alone. We're to endure together. Look at verse 2. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Get this. Paul passed on the gospel to Timothy. Timothy passed on the gospel to other godly men. And down the line we go, and here we are in Hot Springs Village here in 2020. Because the gospel has been passed on to godly men who are leading the church. The gospel is not to be contained within yourself, but to spread out to build up others. And in this context, Timothy was to raise up godly men within the congregation who could teach others as well. And these men within the congregation are what is known as elders or pastors. I want to make sure you get this. The church was never meant to be led by a single pastor, but a plurality of elders. And I need to say it again for all the Baptists in here. The church was not to be led by a single pastor, but a plurality of elders. That's why things can go off the rails so quickly if you just have one guy. And, and you have that one guy which everybody's shooting their arrows at, or one guy who exalts himself and becomes some type of celebrity. That's not the way it's supposed to be set up. This church and all churches are to be led by a plurality of elders, a plurality of men who are leading the charge for the church, guarding its doctrine, shepherding its people. And just like 
None of us were intended to live the Christian life on our own. You need people. So it is with me as a pastor. I was not meant to lead the church on my own, but with a plurality of elders, men who are around me, who encourage me. And I want to tell you this, I would not have survived so far 23 years in the ministry without encouraging elders. And within the past 24 hours, two of our elders have reached out and encouraged me for no particular reason at all. It's stuff like that that keeps me going and following the Lord and leading with these men. And that's why the elder selection process is so key for every church, and it must be done according to biblical qualifications so that we're not just picking the best businessman or the most popular guy. We're picking godly men who meet elder qualifications, who know the word of God, who can teach and shepherd the flock. And so we can do this together. We endure together. Now we come to a fun part, and that's the part where it's talking about don't get distracted. We're going to talk about soldiers and athletes and farmers. I, I, like, I love these two verses. Uh, this, these are great. Look, look at this. Uh, let's talk about soldiers first. Verses 3 and 4. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Paul's in jail. He's surrounded by soldiers. He is suffering as a good soldier, and he invites Timothy to do the same. And this suffering is the fellowship of sufferings of Christ, which we talked about in Philippians. As Christ suffered on this earth, so all who follow him will suffer as well. This is what good soldiers do. And what Paul is warning him is do not get distracted in your service of following the Lord. And he says specifically, don't entangle yourself in the affairs of everyday life. Why? Because he's at war. So it is with every single one of us. We are in a spiritual war and our goal is to please the one who has enlisted us as a soldier. There has to be this extreme focus on Christ and his kingdom. Here's the imagery that comes to my mind. Maybe you saw this, this video. All right, so President Trump is aboarding a helicopter. Remember this? And there is a Marine standing by the entrance of the helicopter. And while the Marine's standing there, the Marine's hat flies off. The Marine doesn't even flinch. He doesn't like, I got to go get my hat. He's just, Phew! And then Trump runs over there, picks his hat up, sticks it back on his head. You see that? His hat flies off again. Marine is like not even flinching. Not, not even, probably not even blinking. He is so focused on his calling. That's the imagery for us as soldiers of Christ. So focused. Winds may be blowing all around us. We're focused on Christ. No matter what's going on, we're not going to get distracted. But not only this imagery of a soldier, let's talk about athletes. Oh, this one's good. Verse 5. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. Huh. So you're not going to win if you take steroids. You're not going to win if you cheat. I think about uh, my daughter, Jordan, and my son, Roman, who, who play tennis. They're not going to win if they call balls that are in out. They'll be disqualified eventually for cheating. They're not going to get the prize. 
And so for those of us who follow Christ, we want to train and discipline ourselves to follow Jesus Christ. What I'm saying is you don't want to go through the motions. Just like I don't want to go through the motions of being a pastor. When I'm writing the sermon, I was writing the sermon and a well-known, popular, evangelical figure that you would all know was crashing and burning, and it scared me to death, and I came to work that morning, and I studied the Word of God like my life depended on it. That's to be the focus of an athlete. Don't play games with God. So not only a soldier, an athlete, but the farmer. Look at the farmer, verse 6. The hard-working farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. I just want to tell you that I am a terrible farmer. My plants don't grow and all my animals die. We've had so much death on our farm. And you may wonder, why is that? I'm just going to tell you. It's because I'm lazy and I just dabble in farming. Here it says the farmer needs to be hardworking. Well, why do you got to be hardworking? Because the work is slow. You've got to be patient. It's not glamorous. Farming is boring. It really is. And if you've ever done ministry to other people in your life, sometimes it can get real boring. You can be building into someone, praying for someone, and not seeing any fruit. And I go, what is going on? Patience. Got to be steady. You got to be hardworking. And look what Paul adds on to these three images. He says, verse 7, Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Can we do that? Can we, can we consider that? And we say, okay, let's not just read this, but let's consider the implications for your life. Are you an undistracted soldier? Are you the athlete who doesn't cut corners? And are you the patient farmer that's hardworking? Or are you distracted by all types of things, cutting corners in your life and slacking off fall of the Lord? And he specifically says, I want you to think about these things. I want you to consider these things. Is that you? Or are you distracted? You live in the village. You have come here to retire. You might have been attracted to this place for all the things that it offers, all the activities, all the programs. And sometimes it may feel like living here is like living one big vacation. And I hate to break it to you. God has not called you at the end of your life to one big vacation. Can you imagine spending the last 15 years of your life on one big vacation and then you die and then you see the Lord and you're like, I just lived the most uncumbered years of my life for myself. It's not supposed to be one big vacation. You're like, well, what are we supposed to do instead? Well, I'm going to tell you two things. This is what you can do instead. Did you come yesterday or see it on Facebook, Bob McKendrick's uh, memorial service? If you listen to the testimonies and watch the testimonies, people were talking about how he served them. He used his times and his talent to serve other people. Life wasn't just one big vacation. It was about serving other people. We have the gathering hall because Bob led that. 
And you know what else we're supposed to do with our last third of our lives, last 15 years of life? Get this. We're also supposed to roll out the red carpet for eternal life. There are people in this village, no matter how beautiful they look, no matter how happy they seem, are lost and going to hell without Jesus. And we're supposed to roll out the red carpet and give them the gospel and say there is a way to life. But if we're stuck in this one big vacation mode where we are distracted, we're going to miss our opportunities. Don't get distracted. Be a hardworking farmer. Don't cut corners. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. We're not done here. Look to Jesus. Look at, verse, look at verses 8 through 10. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to the imprisonment as a criminal. The word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. Let's focus on that first part in verse 8. He says, remember Jesus Christ. What? I mean, is Timothy in danger of forgetting Jesus? No. And yes. Now, he's not going to forget Jesus, but he must actively remember who Jesus is, especially in times of trials and suffering. When things get hectic in my house, I tend to forget my children's names. Something's really hectic, and I'm like, Elijah, no, no, Roman, no, I mean, Darion. I can't even get their names right. It takes me the third try. It's because things are getting hectic. Did I forget my kids' names? No, no, I didn't. And when things get hectic and, and difficult, you're like, you may say, Jesus. But you're not even thinking, it's just your response, but you're not remembering Jesus. Well, who is Jesus? Well, he says, specifically, Jesus is the Christ who is risen from the dead, who's a descendant of David. He's the one where we have salvation in him with eternal glory. So when we look to Jesus, we don't just say the name Jesus. We think, Jesus, oh, Jesus, you are the one who saved me from my sins through your death and resurrection. You are the one at the right hand of the Father, whether I can come to the Father through you with boldness, present my needs, present my requests. Jesus, you are the one that's going to take me into glory. And so when life's getting hectic and I can cry out, Jesus, I know who I'm talking about. Jesus. Lord Jesus. Remember Jesus, the one who has died and rose and lives for us. And lastly, we press on. Look at the last three verses. Verse 11. It is a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Now here is a true statement on endurance and denial and the faithful character of God. I, I, I really want to understand these verses, and I want you to understand them too. Um, the ESV study Bible says it moves from comfort to challenge and back to comfort. Let's, let's just break it down into four parts really quickly. Uh, part one, look at verse 11. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. What does that mean? Maybe it means I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives with me. Maybe talking about dying daily. Whatever the specifics are, it's, it's, it's very comforting that we will live with Christ forever. Okay, so far so good. That's, that's a comforting verse. 
Part two, look at verse 12. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Okay, got this so far? So if we suffer and we endure now, we get to look to the, the future reign of Christ. So far, good, so good. Okay, we endure, we're going to reign with him. But then it gets difficult in verse 12. If we deny him, he also will deny us. What does that mean? Well, I think it's, it's pretty clear. I don't need to make stuff up. And those who permanently turn away from Christ will be lost. I mean, I don't know how else to interpret that. Jesus said this in um, Matthew 10, But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. You deny Christ, you turn away from him, you'll be lost. But what about Peter? Didn't, didn't Peter deny Jesus? Right? He seemed to not be lost forever. Well, I guess, according to the Bible, we can have these lapses in denying and falling away from Christ that could be followed by repentance. And that's where we come into the last part. Verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So even in our lapses of falling away from time to time, making foolish decisions, we have these temporary lapses like Peter. It says that he is still faithful to his own character and faithful to us, and God will be the one who perseveres believers. So the whole point of 1 through 13 is to be strong and to press on. Be strong in grace. Endure together. Don't get distracted. Look to Jesus and press on. Now this all sounds great when there's no problems in life. <laughs> we can all press on as long as there's no issues. We can all be strong when things are going good. I've been reading this book over the last several months. It's a secular book. It's, it's not a Christian book. I'm always interested to see the way people think. And this book is called Life in the Transitions, Mastering Change at Any Age. Life in the Transitions, Mastering Change at Any Age. Now, here's, here's the deal of this book. It's very insightful. It talks about people who've made changes at different times of their lives. Changes you wouldn't expect. It's like the 40-year-old the woman who had difficulties uh, in her 20s going back to college to get her degree. Or it could be story. I mean, this book is just filled with stories. Or it could be stories of the man switching entire careers during the prime of his life. And the book is filled with just horrific hardships and how people have adapted to change and create a new life. But as I'm reading this book, it's story after story after story. I almost want to, to contact the author because what it seems that it's talking about is when people face difficulties, they made changes to overhaul their lives, but it often left the difficult parts behind. So when life got too hard, what they did, if their job got too unbearable, they would just quit their job. If their marriage got too unbearable, they would just get rid of their spouse. And if their family got too hard, some of them would just leave their families. And some of the stories are people just walking away from Jesus Christ. And the book is saying, look at all these great changes people made. They had these hardships and they, they left their families behind, their spouse behind, their faith behind. But look at their life. It's so great now. That is not the way we're supposed to think. 
That is not the way we operate as believers. When things get difficult, we do not bail on the circumstances. But we are to be strong and press on. And I'm wondering right now, where do you need to be strong? Where do you need to be faithful? Rather than discarding the hard stuff and moving on to your best life now, where do you need to engage the difficulties with grace? Where's that? Because my brothers and sisters, we are called to be strong and press on in Jesus Christ who gives you grace, who gives you mercy, and he's the one who died and rose again, now at the right hand of the Father, filling you with the Holy Spirit where you can be strong and press on no matter what you're going through. Don't bail. Keep going. Let's pray. Lord, if we had to press on in our own strength, we could not make it. But we praise you that you are faithful. Even when we're faithless, you remain faithful. We ask that you would enable us to endure. And I know there are some men and women in here who have situations right now where it would seem really easy to just start over, to leave people behind, to leave circumstances behind and just start over and just encourage them, Lord, that you are with them. You're sovereign. You're in control. This is not a surprise to you. And I just ask you to give them special encouragement of your love today, your mercy, so that they would be strong in you. Even if they don't know what to do, may their eyes be on you. And when we feel weak, Lord, may we see that you're strong. And we're confused, there's clarity in you. Please help us, Lord, not to waste our lives and get distracted. And just think that we're here to serve ourselves on this great one big vacation. We are about to meet you face to face. Show us how to make the most of every opportunity we have here to serve you even in the difficulties. Enable us, Lord, to be strong and to continue to press on. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.